You know, today we're continuing in the second part. He started last week about experiencing God. And today we're going to look at the kingdom of heaven is like. So, last week we started the journey to truly experience God, to feel his presence, to understand how he guides us. How do we learn to even hear him? You know, I talked about last week, I talked about how we have available to us the most powerful book in the world. I shared that, you know, sometimes I forget what I'm reading. I mean, this is actually God's word. I mean, this is God's book. (laughs) It's the story. It's God's story. And we're part of the story. We talked about how some of us just think this is nothing but a a book of rules and regulations, you know. It's a book of do's and don'ts. Most people don't know that it's a book of reconciliation right from page one all the way down. It starts in a garden and it ends in a garden city. Tremendous, tremendous stories and guidance. It's God's story. Start, we, know we start, we got Abraham, we got Moses and Solomon and Jesus and apostles and the saints and, and now the church and us. And, and yet, it seems as a, as a society, what a TV icon or a movie star has to say carries a whole lot more weight, a whole lot more weight than Jesus himself. We probably know a whole lot more about some of our favorite sports characters or movie stars and their worldview, not so much what ours is. What is our worldview? What is God's calling us to do? What truly is our purpose? And my question last week was this. I just want to recap just a little bit here. My question to you last week was, how do you, how do we, how do you understand God? And how do you understand Jesus Christ? And how do you understand the Holy Spirit? You know, do you just turn to individuals like Rick Warren or Joel Osteen or Jeffrey Cranford or Paul Burst (laughs) who uh, see the world and what they read in Scripture by their perspective? Or do you turn to God himself, his story, his words? Do you let the Holy Spirit reveal to you what God has for each and every one of you? One of my favorite statements that I've read anywhere is from J.I. Packer. And this is what he says. And tell me this doesn't fit our world. He says, we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing the God whose world it is and who runs it. Because, he says, then the world just becomes a strange, mad, painful place for those who do not know about God. Friends, I shared You know, living in this world without knowing God is like driving a car with the windows all blacked out. Okay, no matter how hard you step on the accelerator and no matter what turns you make, you're always running into something. You never wind up going anywhere. So how do we know what God is doing? How do we get to learn and experience God? How do we know where and when to join him? Remember, and I took you down a little bit of path and I said, first, we, we need to come to an understanding. What's God's nature? What's his character, personality, his temperament? See, if you're going to want to get to know God, you have to know the truth about him. And you'll probably think, well, well, but this is why it's important, okay? You can't develop a relationship with God based on your guesses or wishes or about what other people say about him or how you'd like him to be. What's really the truth of who he is? Remember last week I, I showed you a, we need to have, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to have magic eyes. 
Remember last week I put up on this screen, do you remember what those are called? Remember, they're called an audio stereogram. Remember those? Remember, they had them for years back in the late 90s and all the malls and all that, and you would just stare at that picture, and that two-dimensional image will turn into a three. And actually, for some of you a little farther back, if you do stare and cross your eyes, this one actually does work right here. We tried it out a little while ago. It's interesting because, you see, that's what we want to do when we're reading the Bible is the ability to take these, okay, to take this two-dimensional words that are on the paper here and have them grow into three-dimensional and our hearts and our minds taking on life and meaning and depth. Okay, for giving us direction today. We need to gain, I jokingly call, magic eyes, okay, to bring us a new way of reading the Bible. And then we looked at a few areas of God's nature last week, the points us to his will. And I'm just going to touch on them real quick. But we do know that, for, number one, that God, one of his natures, he's our provider. God is our Jehovah Jireh, is what they call and we learned that God's nature is always to pursue us, and we went down that whole path. Then we talked about that God's nature, okay, is that everybody is saved, and we walked down that last week. And then that he's also our protector. He's our Jehovah Nisi. I encourage you, if you didn't see last week's, I encourage you to go back in the archives and take a look. So today, we're going to experience God together, and we're going to journey with Jesus today. We're going to journey with God incarnate as Jesus shares the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven in the here, the now, and the future. As he shares with us and we journey with him, he talks about the value of what this kingdom offers and the power and the healing it affords everyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. So let me begin with a question. When you envision the kingdom of heaven, What's it like in your mind right now when you envision the kingdom of heaven? Does it draw up images of angels, people floating on clouds, playing harps? How about streets of gold? How about no more taxes? <laughs> well, today we're going to look into the gospel of Mark. And we're going to go through Matthew. And Matthew, by the way, mentions the kingdom of heaven 32 times. And then we're going to go and look at John's account in the book of Revelation. What has Jesus told us all? This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So let's start here. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you, please open to Matthew 4. We will certainly have the scriptures up on the screen, but I encourage you to go to chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. So our story starts out, Jesus says, when Jesus heard that John, this John the Baptist, had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth as he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun, Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. This was spoken 750 years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. This was prophesied. He said, the land of Zebulah and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. 
and those who were sitting in the land in shadow of death upon them, a light is dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is proclaiming, you no longer have to sit in darkness. You no longer have to remain in your sinful condition. Light has come into the world. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is sharing about the good news, the good news of the kingdom of heaven. It's the good news of peace, the restoration of our relationship with God. He talks about the good news of hope. That the, he talks about the hope of a resurrection and life in heaven. He talks about the good news of the truth, God's worth, being truthful and reliable for guiding, directing, and full, helping us fulfill our true purposes in life. He tells us the good news of the kingdom of heaven. It's a promise. There's a promise to reward all of those who seek him. And he says, and here's great news too, it's immortality. God, he goes, I give everlasting life. And then the best one for me, salvation, liberty from your sins, freedom to live as sons and daughters of God. In this next verse, Jesus begins to share that the kingdom of heaven, it's present, and it's a future kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is here, but not yet. It's here, breaking in, in and out at times, but it's not fully consummated yet until Jesus fully comes back. So this is what he says, and we're going to be in Matthew 13 a bunch. So uh, just open your Bibles up to Matthew 13. We're going to start right in uh, verse 1. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat, and he sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. So just imagine, he's in that boat, and people are piled around. It's real easy for me right now to see it after being in Israel last year and at the sea there and vision him just, wow. And he spoke many things to them in parables, and he said, behold, the sower went out to sow. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven here. And he sowed, and some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came, and they ate it up. Others fell on rocky places where they, had, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because but they, they had no depth of soil. So when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, well, they weathered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus is stating, many who hear the gospel message are like seeds that fell beside the road. Birds came along and they just ate it. Sometimes we just didn't have ears to hear. It just sounds like plain foolishness to me. I don't understand what that person's saying. It makes no sense at all. For others, he says, though, when they hear about the kingdom of heaven, when they hear about what God has to offer them, some of that seed fell in rocky places. You know, and so it's, it's dirt in between the rocks. And you've seen them where the little, little sprouts start shooting up between the rocks, right? But as soon as the heat comes on, you know, as soon as some struggles came into these people's lives that heard the word and they grasped, they started to hold on to it, 
But as soon as life difficulties came, there wasn't any depth to their belief. They, they never went any deeper to find out more of who this Jesus was, who this God is that we're talking about, and their belief just withered away. And then he said, you know, some of it fell in thorns. You know, there's dirt there, soil there, things are growing. But what happened was, as the thorns were growing up, they, they, they start to, the idols of the world come in. And they start to choke the life out. Self-centeredness comes in. And it just chokes the life out of the gospel. But then he goes, but then some fell on some really good soil. And it took root. It produced fruit, 30, 60, 100-fold. And then, excuse me, allergies. I'm going to blame it on the wind. <laughs> and then Jesus says, Matthew 13, verse 24. And he presents another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But... When the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Well, how then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us there to go out and gather it all up? But he said, No, 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 no. For while you're gathering up the tares, you're going to uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. See, what's interesting about tares, tares and wheat, when they start growing together, they look the same. Side by side, they look the same. Just when they're getting ready for harvest, the head forms on the wheat. And now you can see the difference between the two. So in this passage, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a field that's been sowed with good seed, I mean, with wheat, but which has also been oversown by the enemy. It's a really interesting story. The servants of a landlord have planted a field. And while they're sleeping, an enemy comes and actually plants a poisonous weed in the field. Can I tell you, no matter how well you've tilled a field, no matter how well you've purified and purged the field before you planted, I mean, everybody expects to get a few weeds. Okay, my, my uh, mother-in-law, I mean, she's a serious gardener. Okay, she loves the garden. Okay, she raises all kinds of vegetables. She's got fruit trees, all that. But she always expects there to be weeds, to be some weeds, okay? It just happens. But in our account here today, here's what Jesus is trying to say. Is he's, it's not the appearance of the weeds. It's the massive amount of the weeds that clearly terrifies the servants. And they go back to the Lord and say, you did give us good seed, right? I mean, think about it. That's the word of God. You did give us good seed, didn't you? I mean, where in the world did all this stuff come from? It's all wrapped around us now, growing up in between us. Stuff that's coming into our lives. Didn't you say this is good, this kingdom thing? And what's going on all around us? They're thinking that maybe, maybe some of this stuff was actually mixed in with the wheat, maybe, when they planted it. Maybe this is why there's so much of it. But because as the wheat begins to come up, they see all the weeds in the, in the field. And the, and the, land, and the, landlord, the landlord says, look it, the seed I gave you was good. The enemy's done this. The landlord says that someone has deliberately planted the weeds in their field. 
And then when they say, well, do you want us to go out and tear it all out? Do you want us to go out and remove all those weeds? His response is no, because you heard this. Because if you do that, you, 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 there's a really good chance you're going to damage the wheat. And therefore, I'm going to bring in specialists, reapers, at the harvest time. And they will be given the job of separating the wheat from the tares. Look, at Jesus is telling us the kingdom of heaven has an enemy. He's telling everybody, I'll sit on the shore, they go, it's got an enemy, and it's evil. It'll do whatever it can to infiltrate and destroy the growth of the kingdom of heaven. It'll do whatever it can. It grows right up within the church itself, right what's inside of it. It'll do anything it can to destroy the kingdom. It will infiltrate the church. Mary's mom is growing in a strawberry patch, what's called devil grass. If you don't get it before you plant, or when you see the very first signs of it, you got to let it grow, because it wraps itself around the roots of the strawberry plant. So if you go to pull it out, you're going to pull the strawberry plant out too. So Jesus is saying, even within the ch his church, there is evil within it. It tries to infiltrate and, you, and it just grows, and sometimes just to yank it out sometimes can actually hurt the wheat. So he goes, just give it time. The time will come to the harvest. It'll come. And then he says in Matthew 13, 31, presents another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took, sowed in the field. And this is smaller than any other seeds, but when it's full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and rest in its branches. Jesus is saying, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven and how it come and arise. He's saying, this tiny mustard seed, he's talking about himself planting the kingdom. It's no ordinary seed. It's a seed of destiny. It's a seed of promise. It's the seed of kingdom significance. It's the seed of the kingdom of heaven. In this one seed was the very nature and character of the king himself and his authority of Jesus Christ himself to rule and to reign in the lives of all of us or any of us who are willing to follow him. He was destined to change the world. That's why the soil in which Jesus chose to plant a seed is the soil of each and every one of our hearts. And then I love the next verse, Matthew 13, 33. He spoke another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. I don't know how many bakers we have here. I know one I just looked at. And, that, you know, once that yeast gets in, right, Jesus is stating the kingdom of heaven will eventually permeate the whole world just like yeast and bread. The preaching, the sharing of the gospel works like leaven in the hearts of people who receive it. The leaven works, and so does the word, gradually. It works silently and without being seen, yet strong, without noise, for so is the way of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to take you to Mark, and then we're going to bounce back to Matthew, but to Mark chapter 4. Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. 
Mark 4, verse 26. He goes, imagine, imagine Jesus is standing up here, Teddy. This is his words. He's telling. He goes, look it. He's telling. He goes, look, the kingdom of God, it's like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night, and he gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? <laughs> he, he doesn't know how. how. How is that? I mean, how, does anybody know? I mean, you plant a seed, next thing you come up, and it grows. How, how did that happen? It was just the, the, how did that happen? The soil produces crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Look, for those of you that are new here, whenever I say don't miss this, I don't want you to miss this. If you forgot everything else I said to this point, remember this, don't miss this. We are responsible for sowing the message, but only God can produce the results. Amen. Do you understand what Jesus was saying here? He goes, look, I don't, it, it grows different in everyone's heart. The message of Jesus grows differently for everyone. Some of us are at, a, at the beginning stage. Some of us are at a mature stage. Some of us have been hearing the word and hearing the word and hearing the word, but it hasn't cultivated yet. It hasn't started growing yet. Jesus goes, that, that, but that, that's not your issue, Jesus is saying. That's mine. Jesus says, it's my issue. I just need you to plant the seed. Don't worry how it's going to grow or how it grows. Don't worry about that. We're back to Matthew. Good thing they're close together, huh? In the Bible. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, and he hid it again. And from the joy over it, he goes and sells everything he has to buy the field. Imagine you're going along the field, you trip over something. Whoa. And it's for sale. So you got to, I've got to buy this land no matter what it costs. When we understand what we have in Jesus, we will sell everything to get it. You guys remember Jed Clampett? Do you remember Jed found something very special on his land? If you don't, there once was a story about a man named Jed. He was a poor mountaineer. He barely kept his family fed. And then one day, he was shooting at some food, and up through the ground came some bubbling crude, right? Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. Well, you know, the first thing you know, Jed's a millionaire. Can folks say, hey, Jed, move away from there. California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck, and they moved to Beverly hills, that is, <laughs> swimming pools and movie stars. <laughs> Can I tell you guys something? The kingdom of heaven puts to shame Jed Clampett's wealth, okay? Puts it to shame. When we discover the treasure that our Father in heaven offers us, it's unspeakable value. We would do, once you grasp, you'll do anything to secure it, when you really understand, because there's nothing can be given for the price of our salvation. I mean, nothing can be given, but yet much can, but much can be given up for the sake, such as our obedience, our praise, 
our thankfulness, our finances, our time, our talents. There's so much we can give for it, but we can give nothing to get it. It's finding a treasure in a field. Matthew 13, 47. Jesus again. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. And when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach and they sat down and they gathered the good fish into containers. But the bad they threw away. This is Jesus now. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels are going to come forth and they're going to take out the wicked from among the righteous and will throw them to the furnace of fire. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's saying, look at this world that we're in. It's a vast sea of men and women. In their natural state, we're just kind of like fishes. Preaching the gospel is casting a net into the sea just to try to catch something out of it. To get something out of it. Because you see, the kingdom of heaven, it's for everyone. It's for the people you despise. It's for the people that despise you. It's for everyone. It's for those who are suffering. It's for those that are lonely. It's for those that are struggling. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And he says, I didn't come into the world to condemn it. I came into the world to Save it. It's, it's for everyone. Take a look at this video clip. This is for all the lonely people Thinking the life has passed them by don't give up until you drink from the silver cup ride that highway in the sky this is for all the single people thinking the life has left them dry don't give up until you Oh, until you try. Oh. 
kingdom of heaven, it's here, but not fully. The gospel message of what Jesus has to offer, the message of what it is, is able to address each and every one of our struggles, each and every one of our hurts, no matter what they are. So what I want to do is I want to end with this. What does the kingdom look like when it's finally here? If you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation. You want to see the physical appearance, chapter 21. You ready? This is for everyone in this room, everyone who's listening on live stream and will in the future on YouTube. This is our future. This is our future, starting in verse 1. There's John. Then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Now catch this next statement. And he, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death, no longer any more mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. God wipes your tears away. He doesn't say he gives it to some angel to do. Okay, he goes, no, no, no. He wipes your tears And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, boy, we so need to hear this message in our world today. I make all things new. And he says, Write for these words are faithful and true. Write these down, John. He's telling John, Write these down. And he says, I, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, I am the beginning and the end. And I will give to one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving, the abominable and the murderers and the immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters, liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here. Can you imagine? Come here. I want to show you the bride. I want to show you the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away, John says, and he carried me away in spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the holy city where we're all going to be living. Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. 
having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and at the 12 at the gates, 12 angels, and the names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. And there were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of that city had 12 foundational stones, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod. It was 1,500 miles was its length. 1,500 miles was its width. 1,500 miles was its height. And he measured its walls 72 yards in thickness. According to human measurements, he said, which are also angelic measurements. The material on the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious metal. Now jump to 21, verse 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And then... I noticed, I saw there was no temple in it. For the Lord God and the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And out of Revelation 22, verse 12. This is Jesus Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside will be the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches because I am the root and a descendant of David. I am the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears come. And let the one who's thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Wow. What an image. I just want all of you to sit in those words as we look at this last song before I come back to take us out. Just imagine.
your side I can only imagine What my eyes will see When your face Is before me I can only imagine I can only
So what's the kingdom of heaven like? It's the good news of peace, hope, truth, promise, immortality, salvation. The gospel is the power, and it's the wisdom of God. It's power to change and transform lives. And wisdom to show us how to live as sons and daughters of our Father in heaven in the here and now and the life yet to come. I love what Jesus said in Luke 17. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, oh, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of heaven is where? The kingdom of heaven is in your midst. The kingdom of heaven lives inside of you. The kingdom of heaven is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is already here. Do you get it? But not in fullness, but it's here. God has given us the kingdom now through the Holy Spirit to give you the strength that you need to walk through difficult times when you get that awful health report, the loss of loved one, kids gone awry, whatever those things are, God's giving you that. And you know what else he's giving? He's giving you a family. He's giving you a church, a family. He makes it available. You just need to take advantage of it. He gives you this. Get with a group, he says. Break this open. Find the peace that you can get out of here. Find some promises I have for your life. There's 7,000 of them in here. You can find one or two. Remember what I always say, a promise is only as good as the person that gives it to you. Jesus doesn't break his promises. Friends, it's loaded. The book is loaded. We've got the most tremendous gift in this world, and boy, does our country need it. So badly, they need to hear the truth of what Jesus is. So though we can imagine of what is yet waiting for us. Don't get bogged down around you by turn off the news once in a while and, and, and open up God's word instead or go out with a fellow Christian and just break some bread together, okay, and celebrate what truly you have right now. Because believe me, what you have, those of you who are believers here and those listening, what you have is the unbelievable peace of what the Holy Spirit instills each and every one of us. Because we know no matter how ugly or how darker the world gets, the more Jesus shines. The more the light shines that we have to offer. So, Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for the kingdom of heaven that is here but not yet. Father, I want to thank you for the tremendous gift that you've given us. And thank you for the glimpse of the future that you gave us in your book of Revelation to know on what you have for us. Just stay strong, you said. Don't give up. Persevere for what is waiting for you is tremendous. Walk in what I've given you. Face, face the struggles that are before you and let my light shine through you and let me carry you, not you carry you. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.